Us, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing First Grave on the Right by Dorinda Jones. But before we get started, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast app so others can find us. And we'd also like to remind you that you can find us on Instagram at the PHX Nest Pod and on Twitter at PHX Pod. You'll find those links as well as the link to our blog and email address in the show notes. Now to the book. First Grave on the Right was chosen by me. Um, this is the first book in a 13 book series following Charlie Davidson. It is one of my favorite series, but this is not my favorite book in the series. Okay. Um, we decided to go with the first book because I'm not going to make you read two books to get to the third book, which Uh is one of my all time favorites. Um, and then I'm not going to make you read four books to get to the fifth book, which is one of my other favorites. It just doesn't make sense. Um, so this was, like I said, it was chosen because it's one of my favorites. It is following the Grim Reaper falling in love with the son of Satan. And I thought it, what a better Halloween. <laughs> like, is there a better Halloween option? No, two classic Halloween type things. Two right? classic Halloween type things. So we went ahead and with, went with that. Um, I'm going to have Kat read the back of the book. We're going to read the synopsis really quick. Okay. I'm going to throw it at you. Uh-oh. Okay. Yay. Right. You caught it. <laughs> Finally. Okay. This whole Grim Reaper thing should have come with a manual, or a diagram of some kind. A flowchart would have been nice. Charlie Davidson is a part-time private investigator and full-time Grim Reaper, meaning she sees dead people, really. And it's her job to convince them to go into the light. But when these very dead people have died under less-than-ideal circumstances, like murder, sometimes they want Charlie to bring the bad guys to justice. Complicating matters are the intensely hot dreams she's been having about an entity who has been following her all her life. And it turns out he might not be dead after all. In fact, he might be something else entirely. But what does he want with Charlie? And why can't she seem to resist him? And what does she have to lose by giving in? She has nothing to lose by giving in. I mean... I don't know. At the end of the book, he kind of explains, like, why it's important that they, like, don't die. And you're like, okay, this sounds awful. (laughs) So, Kat had feelings about the book. (laughs) It was not one of Kat's favorites. And that's okay. Um, I know that, like I said, this is one of my favorite series. Uh Um, It wasn't my favorite book in the series. In fact, I am still in the process of rereading it. Um, I needed to refresh my memory because, like I said, there are 13 books in the series and I mainlined them. Like, I'm talking, like, read one book in two days and immediately picked up the next book and continued on until I finished it. Um, I am not changing my rating from the first time I read this book. And I think you might be surprised by what my rating was. Uh So I know you're probably thinking, I just really love this book. She's going to have a great, like huge giant rating. And I can tell you right now, that's not the case. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. First off, what did you like? about the book. Okay, so this was probably one of the more creative ones in terms of our characters. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't expect these two characters and their, I guess you'd say, like, lineage or their profession. Because this is something where they haven't chosen to be the son of Satan and they haven't chosen to be the only Grim Reaper on the planet Earth. Yeah. But they just are. And um, so that made it more interesting for me because I've never read either of those characters. So that was a plus, just having something new thrown in there since we've been kind of doing classic heroes and heroines. Yeah. And so that was a little bit different. Um, I don't, I just struggled so much with this book. 
You did. You did. I did. <laughs> um, Kat texted me while we were, while she was reading it, because I... I read her books out of order. <laughs> yeah, Kat's really bad about doing that, but it, she does pretty okay when it comes to sitting down and talking about these. Um, but she was texting me. There was a couple parts in the um, the book that kind of rubbed her the wrong way, and it wasn't until I read them, read that part, that particular part that you texted me about. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I read that again that it it rubbed me raw as well. And I don't remember, because now, mind you, I read this in 2017. I read this in... A little bit ago. <laughs> I read this in March of 2017. was the first time I read the first book. Okay. I haven't reread it until now. Uh-huh. So it wasn't until I got to that particular scene. It's when Charlie meets Reyes for the very first time in person. Right. That he is... He has just been beaten by his father right and um knocked unconscious and she meets him he jumped out a window or something and she meets him down by the dumpster or whatever and um she's kind of freaking out they need to call 911 and she's trying to get him to go to the doctor and he's not down with that he backs her up against a wall and like grabs her crotch and asks her what was the question he was like have you ever been raped and that just was, like, not a great introduction to a character, first of all. No. Even though, yes, I understand why it's in there, based on the plot of, like, how they've been, like, coming together throughout her life, I understand. Yeah. But it was just, like, the weirdest, biggest turnoff in a character ever. Well, then it wasn't... To so essentially be groping a stranger. Yeah. A teenage stranger, my A small mind you. female... And you're, like, you just got beat up. You're all bloody. He's trying to help you. And he's, like, choking her against the wall. Yeah. That's, like, his first question. I was, like, what the fuck is wrong with this? Like, why? Well, and when I read it the first time, I probably skimmed over it. Because I can tell you, the first time I read this book, I wasn't super into it. It wasn't until I got towards the end that I was, like, okay. Okay. And I have a rule. If it is the first book in a series, read the second and third before you make a decision. If it's a long See, I series. I don't follow that rule because it bothers me yeah. that I can't latch into a character from the beginning. I like to have that buy-in. Yeah, you like to be able to, like, the moment the book yeah. starts, you want to know the character. Which I know is kind of unrealistic, but... I don't think it is. Just, this is the first time that I've read... Like, I've read books where I'm like, I don't really like that character. Like, they're kind of a douchebag. But it was just, like, such a huge turnoff as your first confrontational meeting with someone who's going to be very heavily involved for the rest of the book and the rest of the series. Yeah. And it was just like, ugh, like, total turnoff. It was a total turnoff for you. And it was, there was a moment when I read it that I stopped and went, okay, it wasn't necessary. We could have chose a different tactic. Well, because their meeting was already really crazy that they could have gotten away with not putting that exact situation in there. Yeah, yeah. I felt the same way. Yeah. I felt the same way. So I want you to know, because I know it really bothered you, and when I first texted you about it, yeah. I couldn't remember that scene. But you went back and read it. I, when I went back and read it, at that point, I kind of stopped and I said, okay, Kat's right. It doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I'm not changing my rating for this book <laughs> at any way, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I think that my rating still stands. Um, I Like I said, I haven't finished my reread, because I'm slow, and I have had the busiest couple of weeks. Oh, sure. It's been insane. Uh, so let's go into a little bit about what Charlie does. 
Okay, so Charlie has two jobs. Uh-huh. She has a real job, like a people job, where she's a private investigator. <laughs> a, pe- a people job. Yeah, a people <laughs> job. And then she has this supernatural job where she, even though she doesn't get to choose it, is the Grim Reaper, which means she's the bright light that people are drawn to when they are supposed to cross the other side. The light at the end of the tunnel is actually Charlie. Yeah, and it's because she's, like, sparkling is how all of the ghosts describe her. Bright. She's, like, bright and shining, and, like, they they can't not look at her, Well, which makes sense. And here's, <laughs> here's the thing, too. It was kind of described later on in the series how the people who have passed find her. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of described that no matter where they are in the world, right, they can still see Charlie's light, right, because she's a portal. Because she's yeah. a portal, yeah. Um, so you have already said you've never read anything that kind of had a Grim Reaper esque. No, well, the only one that I did wasn't a romance novel. It was the book Thief. Okay, and that was where it, the narration was through death. Through death, yeah. And so that was you know Grim Reaper esque, but not. Way not, the same. Yeah. First off, I want to say you're welcome. Not because I'm the one who made you read that. It was really good. <laughs> it's a great book. But it it's not a romance. No, it made, <laughs> it made me cry so hard. Um, this was the first time I had ever read The Grim Reaper. Right. Ever. Okay. I mean, yeah, I read the book Thief as well, but that is narrated by Death, which yeah. is a different character to The Grim Reaper. Right. Um, how did you feel? about Charlie's role as a Grim Reaper and how that worked with her role as a private investigator. I feel like she should have been more successful, honestly. She's got the she's got the ghosts following her. She's got so much going for her that it seems like she shouldn't hit as many obstacles as she does. Okay, yeah. I and I think that. that part was a little bit frustrating. Not that she how do I say this? Like to be fair when you tell someone, like, you're psychic or intuitive or whatever, people are really, really... But, like, when you talk about, like, intuitive stuff, it's something that people are either really intrigued by or it's, like, a huge turnoff to them. Yeah. And so you see how that's, like, a roadblock for her in even in her private investigation-type world. But it should have allowed her to, like, build up her business if she did it in, like, a smart way. Yeah, so... So that was, like, a weird, frustrating thing, too. Well, and I think her dad when he realized what she could do as a child. Yeah. Charlie was at crime scenes at five. And no one like found that strange and was like, you're not allowed to do that. They were like, Oh, you brought your kid. And it's like, like, and he wasn't, it's not like he was a single father. Cause we, it, yeah. we find out that Charlie is capable of remembering everything from the moment she was born. Yes. She says she doesn't remember leaving the birth canal. It's not until afterwards that she her remembers. Her first, like, breath on her own. Really. Yeah. yeah. And her, as she says, her first customer was her own mother. Um, her mom died while giving birth to her. And um, part of the thing with Charlie is that when someone crosses through her, she is able to see their entire life. And she can get a message from the person who has passed. But... No one thought it was weird that this child is at a crime scene, and then suddenly the father of this child is solving all of these cases. And that was kind of weird. And it's not like Charlie's father was a single father, because they state shortly after Charlie is, like, a year old, he remarries her stepmom. Yeah. So she's always had another parental figure. Yeah. Even though Denise was a total cunt. I don't say that word lightly. She was awful. She's 
it did seem like she was a lot more into appearances, and when her stepdaughter started showing her abilities, it was not in line with what she wanted. No. And so it made her into, like, this awful person. Well, and then you have to think, too, because Charlie's got an older sister, Gemma, and Denise is all about Gemma. Gemma is perfect. Gemma is everything. And, you know, Gemma graduated at the top of her class and, and all this, but Charlie graduated one step higher than Gemma from college. And it's a weird twist on being like the family fuck up. Yeah. Like usually it means that you're unsuccessful and or you're whatever it means to your family, right? But for her, she's got the ability to be successful in her own way. Yeah. She can speak and understand any language. Any, every language on from earth. birth, which is amazing. Which is another thing that should have helped her yeah. In so many situations. Well, like, they talk about how she can speak Farsi, and she understands Spanish, and, like, literally every language. She knows every single language. Yeah. But she is she is a kind of a blundering, not, a, not 100% sure about who she is and what she's doing, and she's a hot mess. Charlie is a hot mess. A lot of her characteristics, I know we've talked about Janet Bottomish before, but a lot of her characteristics remind me a lot of Stephanie Plum. And, like, she doesn't really know what she's doing, yeah. but she's somehow kind of good at it just yeah. because she's persistent. But where I found Stephanie Plum, like, endearing, I found Charlie Davidson really obnoxious. So, when you so described much. that to me, I felt like you were saying that Charlie was a budget Stephanie Plum. And it made me laugh <laughs> because I can see where you're coming from. Because I've read the first Stephanie Plum book. I was, and I really I liked it. I feel like if Stephanie Plum had any, like, a quarter of the ability that Charlie Davidson had. She'd be a badass character. She'd be, character. like, way better at her job and, like, super successful. Yeah. And here's Charlie with all of the stuff she could be using to her advantage. And instead she just wants to throw herself into the fire, essentially. Yeah. And, like, try to die all the time, which she makes no sense. constantly on the verge of death. Constantly. And she's always like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it's like, but why? Like, there are literally other people. So here's why. It's so annoying. So here's why. I don't, I, I don't even care. It's just so annoying. <laughs> I don't think, I can't remember if they covered it in the first book. Charlie being the Grim Reaper, she heals faster than a yeah, normal Reyes human. Tells her that. Yeah, so she, that's, that's part of why. She understands on some level that she, she heals faster than what normal people do. Okay, so we're, let's talk about now um, the big bad. Okay. The, the big bad is a character that Charlie has seen. Since she was born, she remembers right. him being in the the room when she was born. Yeah. And he kind of shows up at big, almost dangerous events in her life. Right. Um, she was kidnapped as a child. She was um, almost raped. She was like a stupid child. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fair. It's fair. I have always said you're allowed to like a book and other <laughs> people are allowed to not like it. Oh, yeah. So that's that's fair. Yeah. And I understand where you're coming from. Like, I totally get it. Like, Charlie is kind of a dumb kid. She was a dumb kid. She was kind of a space... She's a space cadet. She's not kind of a space cadet. She is a space cadet. Yeah. Like, 100%. When I say hot, Charlie is a hot mess, I mean Charlie is a hot mess. She's a mess. She's in so many ways. Yes. So many ways. So, this big bad character is always there. That's what there. she named it, yes. by the way. She, she named this, like, shadow... Saying that she's been scared of since she was really little, the big bad. Yeah, she's always called him the big bad because mm-hmm. it's it's what fits him the most. It's, yeah. it's the easiest way for her to convey the message. Yeah. Um, 
he's kind of always there in these instances of danger. And, yeah. and she doesn't know who he is. She doesn't know what he is. Um, but she's starting to kind of understand that the big bad and Reyes might have something to do with each other. Right. She's got a lot of questions. So many questions. So many questions. And she dives really deep to try to find the answers to these questions. Yes. Um, but she also uses her family influence within the state to, like, request records and, you know, flash the badge, so to speak. Well, and not only that, so. she's got a friend who works at the prison, um, Neil Gossett, so she can kind of go in and say, hey, we went to high school together, you owe me a favor or whatever. Um, but it is a shitty thing to do. Yeah. I can't, first off, I don't talk to anybody from high school. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> I just don't. Um, I, I just don't want to. That's kind of how that is, but... I don't ever think that I would use my connection with somebody to get ahead. Like, I get... It's just one of those influences that she has, but she uses it in, like, a really manipulative way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a manipulative way. Um, So back to this big bad slash possibly Reyes things. Um, She spends a good portion of the book trying to figure out what's going on. Well, part of it is because she's having these, like, sex dreams. But she's she's like, they're so real. And it's like, well, yeah, they're so real. Like, she's orgasming while she sleeps. Like, okay. Okay, that's... Which is on its own creepy. It is, yeah. But it happens. It can happen in real life. Like, it can... It's a thing that happens. (laughs) I've had it happen twice in my life. And it's very unsettling. When you wake up and you're like, what the fuck just happened to me? I had it happen when I was pregnant. Oh, God. Because hormones are already really weird. But then I also had, like, I woke up from that and was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And went back to sleep and had a bloody nightmare where, like, a guy with a hatchet was killing my ex-husband. Like, it was it was yeah. intense. But yeah. she's having these really weird sex dreams with Reyes. And so she then she starts to think, is Reyes dead? Well, okay, so she doesn't know it's him. She knows that it's something... That, like, she can feel that this person is, like, actually... Like, she actually feels like this is a thing. Well, yeah, and, and then... She's not making the connection for parts of this book. No. So, she's spending her time trying to find out about Reyes. Yes. And... Where and he's she's, gone. She's putting it together because he starts to show himself... Yep. ...in his big bad form, which is actually his son of Satan form. Yeah. Which is, like for lack of a better term, like a spiritual or supernatural form. Yeah. Because just, he doesn't actually need to inhabit a body. No. But if his body dies, then there are other complications. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Make sure you have it right. So, but not only that, she realizes that these dreams she's having, whoever is giving it to her good in her dreams, is calling her by a nickname that she's only ever had two people call her. One of which was the Big Bad. Yeah. At birth. Yeah. And the other is Reyes. Which was, like, a huge giveaway. Like, she was more stupid after this. Well, I was because like, come on. she kept saying, she kept saying, how was the big bad to know that Reyes would later in life call me Dutch? Because well, it's him. It's him. It's, it's Reyes. I was like, you stupid. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so, as Why? you can tell, Kat was very frustrated by this. Just, like, you know, you're, like, upset with the mystery thing in the Tony Blake book? Yes. It felt like that. Okay. Like, all of these hints... 
line up and it wasn't like oh well no one told me it's like you're literally the only one that knows this you're the, and you're literally the only one who's but, not putting it together like come on like anyways anyways he starts to like show himself in like a human form but she also describes him as like smoke yes where he can like move like a shadow but he can make himself into um like a humanistic object even though he's not because like he's heavier and hotter whatever yeah but um but he starts to, like, show his human form, and it's, like, even more creepy because he only shows himself to her throughout pretty much all of the book. And then a lot of it is that he just stands there glaring at her. Yeah. And it's, like, first of all, <laughs> a giant, dark, scary man just, like, glowering at me. I, I'd be gone. In my own living room, no less. Fuck that. Or in my bedroom. And me being like, so why are you here? And he's just, like, staring silently, like, angry. I'm like, what? Why? I, no. as someone who has experienced hauntings in her life, that shit's scary as fuck. Yeah, no thank you. And I don't want that. Um, the other thing, though, too, is that it's not just the big bad is in her life. She's literally a portal for spirits to pass through. So the whole point of this is that she's a private investigator. Three lawyers have been murdered. Yep. And she wakes up to one of the lawyers in her home and is like, Calling her around. Yeah, hey, I think something happened to me. Like, we gotta figure out what's going on. I think I died. Like, what, what happened? Like, last thing I remember is uh, being shot at. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, another lawyer comes up. And then when they meet the third lawyer and he refuses to leave his body because he's like, I'm not dead, I'm fine. Like, how frustrating would that be, though? It would be so frustrating. But. It's not just this one entity that's in her home. It's all these entities. She talks about how the dead guy who used to live down the street doesn't leave her alone. And he's a really creepy, perverted and old man. And her aunt at the end. Aunt Lillian. He's a little, little loopy. I lo- yeah, she's a little, little loopy. She's a hippie. She died a long time ago. Before Charlie was born, I think. Yeah. But she is kind of chilling, doing whatever. Well, and, and then she's she- like, and then she's got a small Asian man who's floating in the corner of her living room. She can't see his face. She can only see the back end of him. She thinks that he might have been in an internment camp at some point. Right. Doesn't know his name. She just calls him Mr. Wong. Yeah. He's just there in the corner of her living room. And she talks about how she was going to put a bookcase in front of him, but then she felt bad that he'd just be behind the bookcase all the time. Right. And I'm like, okay, if I could see just a random floating entity in my corner, fuck yeah, I'm putting a bookcase about, like in front of that so I don't have to see it. But she talks about how she's not very afraid of seeing these spirits, these ghosts, until it's big bad. Yeah. Because he's ominous. I mean, he's ominous. He doesn't talk to her. The only time he's interacting with her is to weirdly incorporeal, incorporeally sex her up. Which I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, but do what you got to do, I guess. Um, So that was really strange. I thought that was weird the first time I read it. Um, The second time I read it, I have since read every book in the series, so I understand it more. Yeah. But when you're first reading it, it's it's a weird thing to go through. Oh, yeah. It's a weird thing to kind of try to process. So, like, I understand why you didn't like it. (laughs) Like, I am okay with it, and I understand it. Also, because we're so consumed with the big bad and with these lawyers and stuff, we also kind of miss out on that this is a love triangle. A little bit, like, in a weird way. In a weird way. Because 
she has a real human man who's like kind of flirty, kind of interested in her. And Garrett she shuts him down all the time because she's so obsessed with Reyes. Yeah. Who's in prison. And in a coma. We find out he's in a coma. And it's just like, wait. (laughs) So your obsession with the guy in a coma. Outweighs your obsession. Your the fact that there's a real human person that you could be in love with outside of a being in a coma and b being in jail. Your obsession just went so far. It just it was just a lot. It was a lot. In. She has a lot of weird things about her, and that was one of the things. Where it's like normal people be like, "Oh man, they're in a coma. That's you know that's shitty." And instead, she's like, "Wow, I better hunt down his sister in yeah. the next forty eight hours and make sure that the state doesn't pull the plug." But then she, it can't just be like, oh, I found his sister. She has to, like, go through high school records and find people that knew them. And yeah, like, all these extra steps when she, when it's not actually part of her job. No. Like, this has nothing to do with the lawyers. It has nothing to do with her PI work. It's literally it's her personal obsession. It's her personal obsession, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's talk about Garrett Swopes. Yes. Um, Mostly because I adore Garrett. Through the entire series. I love Garrett. He is a great guy throughout the series. He turns to become one of the, one of Charlie's best friends outside of her best friend, uh, Cookie. Um, but he's on her team despite him not understanding what it means for her to be a Grim Reaper. Right. And that he's very cynical about it. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't want to really understand it, but at the same time, he does. Yeah, he waffles a lot, where he's like, well, tell me about it. And he's like, that's stupid. That's not real. Yeah, yeah. But that's a lot of his own inter- internal demons. Like, you and I yeah. are pretty in tune to that kind of thing. We read tarot cards. You have dowsing rods. You've got your crystals. We've got, like, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and when we're really cool with it, we're like, yeah, whatever. Like ghosts are real, and we we <laughs> we're cool with it. But if we weren't cool with it, and someone came to us and said, "Hey, I can see ghosts. I'm the Grim Reaper, and they walk through me when they pass." And like, um, sure. We'd kind of be like, "Well, maybe you should see a psychiatrist. <laughs> like, you need a doctor or something." It's one of those things where also when I've talked to people about, because those are like generally personal. Right. If yeah. you weren't raised to believe that, you generally don't believe it. And so when people talk to me about it and they're like, that sounds stupid, I don't set out to like try to convince them. No. Which is kind of how she handles it as well, except she just doesn't want to talk about it. Well, and I think, too, having the experience yourself yeah, and then trying to explain to another person what that experience is like who's never experienced it, right. who doesn't believe, is going to tell you, well, I'm glad you thought you saw that, but that's not real. And it's not going to be until they have their own experience. So when I was probably about four, uh-huh. um, and I am now, this is like 30 years later, because yeah. I'm going to be 34 in a couple days um, after this, this episode goes up. Um, when I was about four, um, my little sister, so my sister is three and a half years younger than I am. When she was born, about a month before that, my dad's father, my papa, passed away. He had cancer. He died. Um, papa was one of my best friends as a little little tiny child. So when I was about four, I remember waking up. I can tell you the exact way the lighting looked in my bedroom. I can tell you the color of the carpet. I can tell you what kind of furniture was in the room. Like I can tell you literally everything. I know every detail. But I woke up 
to my papa, who's been gone for several months at this point. And he's leaning over my bed and he's telling me, take care of your little sister. I love you so much. And, and he's going through kind of saying his goodbye after the fact. Right. And I remember through my entire life up to a certain point telling my dad, Papa says that I have to take care of Liz, which first off, Liz, I'm really sorry. <laughs> you just like didn't do that. <laughs> no, I, my sister and I had a very tumultuous childhood. We had moments where we really liked each other. And then we had moments where we were probably going to murder each other if someone yeah. didn't step in. But um, I remember telling my dad these things. And my dad's like, well, I'm glad you had a really good dream about your Papa, but that's not real. And I'm going, yes, it is. And it wasn't until my grandma died. And my dad moved into the home where my grandma and my papa died. Wow, that motorcycle. That was loud. <laughs> that was loud. Um, it wasn't until my dad moved into that house and texted me one day and says, I saw your grandmother. That he finally believed that I had seen my papa when I was like four years old. My grandma died when I was 19. So there was like a 15 year gap where my dad was like, I don't believe you. So I think a lot of what Garrett Swopes' problem was is that he didn't believe it because it hadn't he hadn't experienced it yet. Right. Later on in the series, he experiences some things. And that'll change you too. Yeah, that like, first experience definitely changes point. For sure, for sure. I love Garrett. I think he's great. He doesn't have a lot going for him in the first book, unfortunately. No, he's he's very much like pushed to the wayside. He's a secondary character that doesn't mean a whole lot, unfortunately, which kind of sucks because Garrett Swopes is amazing. He's so good. <laughs> He's so good. Speaking of best friends, Cookie. Yeah. Cookie Kowalski. Yeah. How did you feel about Cookie? Oh my gosh. Poor Cookie. She's just trying to keep everyone like alive, alive <laughs> and doing what they're supposed to do. Yes. But she also has to kind of make peace with her employer, who is Charlie. Yep. Just doing stupid shit all the time. Constantly. And Poor she's cookie. just like, why didn't you call me because you were in the emergency room? And she was like, I'm fine. She's like, you broke your ribs. And you're like, having a really bad time. If I didn't text you that I was having a really bad time, you would be livid. Yeah. You probably wouldn't outright tell me that you were upset with me. Right. But I would know. <laughs> you, you would make it known. Mm -hmm is your problem like why are you doing this? <laughs> and so she's i mean she's got a daughter mm -hmm. who amber who is really important to her and tries to get along as best she can with her daughter while also kind of taking care of charlie yeah and it's just it's so much it's just so much her and i don't know how she could do it she is the epitome of that mom friend yeah like we all have that mom friend we have that friend who makes sure that everything is taken care of Cookie is also a hot mess, but in, in a different way yeah, than how Charlie is. Definitely a different way. But I think a lot of Cookie's hot messness is because of Charlie. I can see that. Like, I feel like her life would be fairly normal if Charlie wasn't such a hot mess. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a fair statement to make, I think. Uncle Bob, Yubi. Yeah. So, Charlie's dad has retired from the police force and uncle Bob is Charlie's dad's brother. He is still part of the police force and he is still using Charlie's abilities. I still think it's weird that both her dad and her uncle are so okay with using Charlie to solve crimes and solve cases. Yeah. And use that to their advantage. Yeah. 
Because not only did they do it as a child, as her being a child, but she's an adult now, and they still use her. It's just like it's an. I understand why. Uh huh. Because it's good for them. Yeah. Like they solve their cases, they get recognition, they get promotions, all this stuff. But at the same time, it's like let her have a life. Just small children probably shouldn't be doing that. Small like, ch- small children shouldn't be talking to ghosts to solve crimes, and yet it's still happening. Yeah. Um. I like I like Uncle Bob. I like yeah. Uncle Bob a lot. He's pretty funny. He's pretty funny. He's very exasperated. He has a rubber band on his wrist to help him with his anger problems because he's got some anger issues. But I feel like if you're a cop and you've been a cop for that long, you're probably going to have some anger issues. And uh, I want you to know that it wasn't until I listened to the Smart Women Read Romance podcast with Jessen and Juliet. They are um, also a romance podcast, uh-huh. and they covered the third book. I want you to know that it wasn't until I listened to that episode that I realized that Uncle Bob is not pronounced Ubi, it's pronounced Ubi. For Uncle Bob, Ubi. That happened on that podcast, and I had that moment where I went, God, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you didn't catch it for 13 books. It wasn't until then. Oh, gosh, Jessica. (laughs) Listen, when I say that sometimes I'm a hot mess and that also my life has been very busy lately, I feel like I want to pass, but at the same time, I don't deserve it. (laughs) Excuses, excuses. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's kind of where that stands. So thank you to Jessen and Juliet from Smart Women Read Romance for um, correcting me uh, in my idiocy. I was unaware. So let's go into Charlie naming things. I'm sorry, I think it's weird when people name body parts. Like, I've never met a man that named his penis men in real life yeah, or, men like, don't. their balls. That's a, so, a common, like, pop culture misconception, I think. Like, a, well, the whole women naming their boobs thing is weird, too. Like, I've never thought I should name my tits. I don't want to name my tits. It just, I don't, I'm trying to think, do we have any friends that have a- No, because our friends aren't weird. I don't I know. think they are, anyways. I don't think well, and like it's just weird. She names them um, Danger and Will Robinson, right? Which is also weird. It is really weird. But she names she names all the inanimate objects in her home. Like her couch has a name, and her car has a name. Which like my car has a name. I named my car. It's like a more normal thing because like people name boats and stuff, and so I can understand they name transportation. But yeah, like my car, my car is James Buchanan, not after the president. Um, after. The Winter Soldier. I'm a huge nerd. It makes sense for me. But to name, like, I wouldn't go out there and name my couches. It's just strange. Like, I feel like there were a lot of instances where something was supposed to be funny or it was um, in the writer's eyes. Yeah. But it just didn't hit for me. Like, a lot of the jokes Charlie says to herself, I thought, weren't funny. She makes a lot of puns about, like, dying. Yeah. I didn't think we're funny. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of jokes that I can see that, that wouldn't hit home for you. No. And that's okay. Well, and I think part of it is because they weren't really witty. No. They were very topical. And that's okay. Yeah. Just, there was, oh, what was the one joke? There's one joke that came up like two or three times in the book. And I was like, oh my god, I'm over it. <laughs> like, I don't know. What was it centered around? Of course like, it was. I'm trying to remember what it was. Like, something about, like, scared to death, and then she, like, but not really, or something stupid. Okay, yeah. And it's just, like, 
like throw it in there the first time, like, oh, okay, haha. But then, like, if you keep doing it, like, it's less funny the more you do it. Yeah, the more you have to say the same joke over and over, yeah. that's when I'm over it. I don't want to listen to it anymore. It's kind of stupid. Um, uh, Reyes. Yes. Reyes Alexander Pharaoh. Yes. Also known as the Son of Satan. Right. When you learned that. I shouldn't even say when you learned that, because I kind of told you. Yeah. How did you feel about it? I was like, this is going to be weird. Okay. I was glad that he, when he finally decides to start talking, of course, it's like after they have sex, which is also weird. But, um... I'm not having sex with anybody that's not going to talk to me first. It was just... The setup for it was really strange. Yeah. Um, but when he explains things... Uh-huh. You're like, oh, okay, this makes a lot more sense as to how this happened and why you're in the situation you're in, because you're not supposed to be. Like, it was supposed to be a lot different. Yeah. But it's also something that's very strange that I have never even thought about. Okay. Um, which was, his story was that he was essentially, like, a commander of troops in hell, and that his dad was Satan, yeah. and that he was getting too power hungry. And his goal, Satan's goal, was to get back at God, <laughs> essentially, and, like, take over. Yeah. And that the way to do that would be to capture or use the Grim Reaper for certain things or destroy her. And that he knew that he couldn't do that. And so he wait, He said he waited and he searched for the right portal at the right time. And that happens to be Charlie. Yeah. And so then he chose to leave hell. Uh-huh. And to be born as a human, which is sacrificing, like, a huge part of his powers. Yeah. And then, um, like, he had researched and found out where to live so they go to the same schools. And he had, like, looked into the future and seen that it worked. But then when he was born, he was then kidnapped. Yes. And raised by a different family, which threw all of that off because then he found himself in the role of a protector for someone else. Well... Who was not in the portal. And was not his relative, either, because... This is, he is raised by a man named Earl Walker. The whole reason why Reyes is in jail is because he's in jail for murdering Earl Walker. Like setting him on fire in the car. Yes. Pushing the car off the cliff. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The idea of someone falling in love with the son of Satan, for me, wasn't a big stretch. But because, (laughs) the reason is is because I read a lot of urban fantasy and a lot of paranormal romance. Like, if I'm going to read a romance, it's going to have some paranormal aspects to it. Yeah. We have already talked about how I feel when it comes to shifters and people with power, like magical powers, things like that. I freaking love those books. I I mean, that's kind of what I enjoy. Get me out of the real world without completely taking me out of the real world. Okay. Like, that's what an urban fantasy is. You're going to have the real current world, but there's going to be magic to it. Paranormal romance is going to be that they're in the real world, but there's going to be some magic to it. And so for me, having her fall in love with the son of Satan was not a huge stretch. Um, But that's also because this book is kind of in my wheelhouse. I mean, if you look at my shelves, we're literally sitting on the floor in my bedroom right now to try to get better audio quality from for you guys. And so we have our microphones are attached to my bookshelves right now. But Kat, if you were to look at my bookshelves right now, I can tell you that a good majority of everything on the shelf is part of an urban fantasy world. Oh, for sure. So like you're sitting by, um, what is it? Kelly Armstrong, the bitten, stolen. That's 
an urban fantasy. Sometimes it can be considered paranormal romance. Um, yeah. I've got, like, Jim Butcher on the shelf. I mean, that's what I read. So it's in my wheelhouse. I love it. I didn't think it was a big stretch. I thought it was fun. It was a different take. I've read all kinds of shit. Angels, demons, werewolves, vampires. Yeah. Magic users. It's all kind of the same to me. So I didn't find it a huge thing. I kind of liked it. I was chill with it. Um, it's not until later in the series that it kind of, get, kind of gets a little bit weird. Oh, that's when it gets weird. <laughs> yeah. When you get into the series a little bit further, it gets a little bit weirder. Because um, you find out it's not just the Son of Satan. It's not just She's the Grim Reaper. There's more to it. There's well, and more, he talks, more. like, he hints at that at the very end. Um, when he's like, you can't let them find you. Yeah. But he doesn't tell her what that means, really. Other than that, like, her demise would mean, like, something way worse. Yeah. And that that's, like, why he's been protecting her throughout her life. Okay. But he's, like, that's kind of where the story ends. <laughs> so it's just, a, you know, because it's a series, so it's a cliffhanger, and that's fine. Okay. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Just, it wasn't a me thing. It wasn't a you thing. Um, so let's talk about, let's talk about Charlie's obsessions. Her kind of huge obsession when it comes to Reyes and um, how much Reyes kind of means to her. Yeah, she has two major obsessions, and one is coffee. Yes. And the other is Riz. See, I I don't like coffee. Okay, but, like, you could replace that with anything that you were, like, addicted to, right? Okay, so yeah, like yeah. Tea, whatever. Okay, it's gum for me. I chew gum See? like crazy. So I get that. I get that. Charlie's obsession is one that I have experienced through other people. Like, especially right. when it comes to her obsession with Reyes. We have all known someone who was obsessed with somebody. Oh, sure. Especially, like, it's not the same, but a lot of him when you think, like, boy bands or, like, actors, you have, like, a weird obsession where you need to know everything about them and stuff. And that's kind of what she's doing. That's me. Yeah, that's 100%. <laughs> that's kind of what she's doing, but on, like, an even more creepy level because she has, you know, certain powers at her disposal and influence and stuff. And so she, like makes it the center of what she's doing kind of throughout the entire book. Uh-huh. And it throws off a lot of the other things she's supposed to be doing. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is where it becomes the unhealthy part of the obsession. And it, it does kind of get unhealthy in that she goes to search out these things and she does use her family name and the fact that she is a private investigator to gather the information. Right. When it's completely unrelated. Yeah. So here's the question. We know that people, when they get too obsessed, they do weird things, such as shoot and kill celebrities. Sure. Is Ray is Charlie's obsession with Reyes verging on too far? Yes. Yes? I would say yes. Even, even if you know that in the end, their, their end game, they're going to end up together? Yes. Because from what it seems like, she doesn't need to be working as hard as she is to keep him in a human form. Okay. Okay. Because if he's able to move, so, like, it sounds like he moves around better when he's not in his human form. Okay. And he has all these other crazy powers, then he's probably fine. Like, he's, he's doing okay like, without she's fighting it. for something she doesn't really need to fight for. And okay. it's kind of ruining everything else she's supposed to do. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So, I think we are at the point now where we can put a rating on first grave on the right. 
Okay. Out of five, it's not going to hurt my feelings in Mm. any way, shape, or form, because like I said, the first book is not one of my favorites. Right. So I'm going to have to give two stars out of five. Okay. I thought the plot itself was decent. I did not connect with the characters, really, or the humor. Okay. Um, But I appreciate, like, the difference in the storyline and the kinds of characters we have, because we haven't had anything like this yet. And, like, we've read, like, vampires and werewolves and ghosts and, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But this is something very different. And so I do appreciate that because you can't really mess it up too much if I wasn't expecting anything yeah. in a weird way. So, I mean, there's that. But Yeah. yeah. When you go in, you don't, you don't have expectations for what it's going to be for a Grim Reaper and the Son of Satan to fall in love. If you don't have any You're like, oh man, that's the tale of all this time. Exactly. Yeah. That's like if we go into a vampire romance and we're like, well, we know what all the other vampire romances are like. Yeah, you have these expectations. Whereas this exactly. one, there weren't really expectations set for me. No. So anything that I was disappointed in wasn't because I read something better exactly. or different. It was just because I just didn't get it. Like, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, that's understandable. So, like I said, I am not changing my rating. For when okay. I read this two and a half years ago or whatever it's been now. Okay. I give this book, and I have given this book, and it's been this rating for this long, a three star. Okay. Okay. The way that I rank a book, especially if it's the first in a series, that I have a lot of people saying, oh my god, you have to read this book. Yeah. Um, Trisha, hi. <laughs> from, <laughs> Trisha for Mostly Books. Um, this is one of her favorite series as well. We read these, like, I read these at the same time um, as the when I first started meeting Trisha at yeah. the bookstore. And these were the books that we kind of bonded over. But I gave it a three star. And the reason for that being is it was okay. Uh-huh. I didn't find it completely terrible. Okay. But I didn't think it was perfect. Very middle of the road. It was very middle of the road. Okay. So when I feel like it wasn't terrible and it wasn't perfect, it's going to get a three star. Gotcha. Middle of the road, it was there, it happened, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I wasn't thinking, okay, this is a five-star read, this is the best book I've ever read, okay? My favorite romance is actually sitting right next to me. Uh-huh. This book gets a five-star rating, gotcha. because I love this book, okay? Okay, I love this series, Yeah, but this is not a five-star book for me, gotcha. this is a three-star book. Um, I appreciated it for what it was. I appreciated the plotline. I appreciated the story. I got the humor, but I am easily amused. <laughs> I am like a toddler, okay? You could tell me a fart joke and I'd be the happiest. I wouldn't even care. Uh, so, yeah, three out of five stars for me. Overall, for the series, I give it a four and a half star. But there are other books in the series that meant a lot more to me than the first book. Which is fine, because they're always favorites in a series, too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. My favorite series is sitting right next to me. There's three books in it. The second book is my favorite. Yeah. The first and the third, they're there. Yeah. They just happened. Um, So now we are going to talk about, we're going to announce the next book. Um, November is my birthday month. Go, Scorpios. It's Scorpio season. It's my time to shine. I'm really fucking excited about it. Um, Not so much about my birthday. I'm uh, never really excited about my birthday. So for my birthday month, we are going to be reading another one of my favorite series. And I know Kat has already read the book because we talked about it last night on the way to the Halloween party we went to. Um, we are going to be reading Burn For Me by Alona Andrews. Um, it is a trilogy. 
that is getting a spin-off series now, which I'm really excited about. So I hope you guys join us for Burn For Me by Alona Andrews. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Um, I know Kat enjoyed it much more than First Grade. Yeah. Which makes me very excited because I did really, really love Burn This was the one where you're like, I'm going to be upset if you hate it. This was, yeah, this was the one, like, First Grade, I wasn't so bad. I was like, okay, we're yeah. allowed to not like books that other people like. But I really hope you like Burn For Me because I really fucking love this book. We are going to leave you now, not with a quote, because A, I couldn't find one, and B, I don't want to. So (laughs) um, we want to say thank you again for listening. Remember, again, to rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you prefer to listen to. Follow us on social media. And please, if you have any suggestions, comments, concerns, send them on to our email. And don't forget about our blog. Um, And I will remind you one last time to shop independent and shop locally. Bye. Bye.